Hi, everybody. I'm sorry I missed last week. <laughs> oh, it's good to see you. Um, I hear what a great time you had last week with Pastor Fred. I know that he did just a, a fantastic job uh, sharing out. Yes, thank you. Every service, every service uh, applauded. And just, it's so comforting. Anyways, it's so good to be here. Uh, next week, I, I can't be here, and I'm, I ask your forgiveness from up top. And But Hank Hanegraaff will be here, and, and I would really encourage you to invite a friend. I would really encourage you to come uh, and not miss, uh, to be at church for many reasons. Um, he's going to bless you beyond your wildest dream. He'll bless your friends that you'll bring. He's really... He's really quite a quite a man, and and he has a real love for this church. He has a love for what we've done, and he is on our board. Um, he's come out, heard that this was going to happen. He and he he came out on his own. He's not. I don't think he's coming out here for any promotional thing or anything that he has to do with his radio program. He's just coming here to fill in for us because he knew that that I'd be out of the pulpit for that Saturday and Sunday, and so. Uh, I would really ask you to come and, and greet him warmly. Uh, let him know that he's loved by us and, uh, and bring a friend um, next week. Um, let's, let's, let's do what, it, what we, we, we're to do. Let's, let's get into our Bibles. For those of you that are visiting, thank you so much for coming. We're in a, we're in a place in Scripture that is it's in, incomparable. It's such an amazing, amazing place in the Word of God. We've been learning so much, and, and we're in the... 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And so if you're visiting with us, there's all this background that we have had concerning this book that leads us to be able to speak as confidently as we do where we are now. The Lord through Paul is going to teach us two major lessons in verses 1 through 10 of chapter 16. Let me tell you what it is up front and then I'll explain it more as we go through the passage. Number one, he's going to teach us the importance of discipling somebody, of being someone who is taught and also in the same process being someone who teaches. None of us are, are so inept or shouldn't be that we couldn't teach someone because there is someone that needs to know that Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible tells me so. And there's all of us, none of us are so smart or so far along in our walk with Christ that we can't be taught. And so Paul, we're going to see, is still a discipler of people, as is Barnabas. Second thing we're going to learn is that our circumstances should not stop us from seeing God's will in our life. You and I must know, we must, I don't, there's nowhere that, that I think you can verify this, but Paul had to be a very organized man. He had to have a plan. When he was going on his mission journey, when he said to Barnabas, let's go back and let's go visit the churches that we started and see how they're doing. Well, he had a purpose for doing that, as we're going to learn today. His purpose was he was going to take to those churches the decree that was set down by the apostles concerning verse chapter 15, where there was a couple of groups that said, listen, you cannot be saved unless you're circumcised. And I said to you, don't be misled. It wasn't circumcision so much that they were the problem was. The problem was their, their traditions, their, their religiosity, if you would. 
They wanted to hold on to their past. And so they were saying to the Gentiles that came to Christ, you too have to be circumcised like us or you're not saved. So the apostles, as we learned in chapter 15, all gathered together and they all came to agreement in one accord. No, you are all saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and by He alone. Salvation comes through grace, God's unmerited favor. You all receive it the same way, whether you be Jew or Gentile, no matter who you are, we all receive salvation the same way. So Paul wanted to go with Barnabas to these places where they had been before so they could pass along that decree to those people. Don't be misled. Misled, They're going to tell the people of the churches that they began. Salvation comes through grace. Don't let anyone come to you and say you have to have other traditions that, that are, are, make you more a part of the family of God. And Paul had this plan of where he was going. As you're going to see, as we're going to read in a moment, the Lord stopped him. So much stopped him that in, in Asia, the Lord didn't even permit him to speak the gospel, which I found... Very interesting. And then he went from there to... Uh, to, to uh, we'll read about it in a minute. Troas and other places. And, and each place they went, they were not permitted. And then the Lord allowed Paul to have a vision from a guy in Macedonia and said, come on to us, we need you. And it says in, in the 10th verse, as we're going to read in a moment, Paul immediately concluded that that's where he was supposed to be. And so our lesson is, number one, we're to be discipling of people. We're to be learning from people and we're to, be, we're to be teaching people. Secondly, God's in control. And the sooner we learn that He is the one who leads our life, not us, saying, this is what I want to do, God, come on along. But rather we say, no, God, where do you want us to be? And we'll be happy to be content in that situation. The sooner we learn that, the better off we're going to be. Those are the two lessons that we're learning here. Now, would you please open your Bibles with me, please, to uh, the 15th chapter. Actually, uh, I know we're in the 16th, but I want to I kind of just kind of go back over a little bit. The problem is, as we learned last time, a couple weeks ago, when we gathered together, that Paul and Barnabas had a split. And we learned two weeks ago, it was a sharp disagreement. If you remember in chapter 15 and in verse uh, 39, there arose such a sharp disagreement that they separated from one another. And what we learned was we can come to disagree within the family of God. We can agree to disagree. There are certain things that you and I will never, ever, ever be able to solve concerning all that we know about salvation. We can't. The one thing that we will stand firm upon as a church is that salvation comes by grace in in and through Jesus Christ and He alone. But some other things about pre-trib, post-trib, when the Lord's coming back, and all of those other things of, of Scripture that are still being wrestled by many people, there is no reason for you and I to separate from one another um, in disagreement over these things. We just need to agree to disagree about certain things. So that the family of God stays together. So Barnabas and Paul have this sharpest agreement, but they never lost their friendship nor fellowship with one another. The problem was Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. Remember? Look at verse uh, 37 of chapter 15. Barnabas was desirous. Desirous means he was persistent. In other words, they were arguing over a, a good period of time 
Barnabas says, let's take John Mark. I see something in this young man. Paul insisted, no. Look at Paul says in verse 38. He's kept insisting, no, they should not take him along. He deserted them in Pamphylia. He had not gone with them to the work. You see, the, the situation is Paul knew that if he was going back to these places, he was going to go into places that were very, very dangerous. Could be even life-threatening. And there's no time to bring a guy along that wasn't committed to the whole purpose of what they were going to do. Plus, and this is my thought, just you can just weigh this in your own heart. Plus, I believe Paul wanted to protect John Mark in a sense. Not quite ready to do what we're going to do. I, I can't take John Mark. So they split. And when they split up, ended up that Paul chose a guy named Silas. Silas was perfect for Paul. Show you why in a moment. And Barnabas took John Mark. In the process, Barnabas and John Mark go to Cyprus, where Barnabas was from. In the process, Barnabas, along with our Lord, make a spiritual man out of John Mark. So much so that in his later life, Paul, when he was in desperate need in 2 Timothy chapter 4, yep, 2 Timothy 4:11, Paul calls for John Mark, saying, "Bring me John Mark, for he is useful for me for service." So Barnabas discipled John Mark and, and helped by the grace of God to turn John Mark into a man, a spiritual man of God. And all of us ought to aspire to that. I, I'm not sure when I read this, which is better before the Lord. In other words, to make a younger person useful or to become a person who is useful. And after thinking about it and trying to contemplate, I believe it is both. I believe that you and I are always on a journey of learning and being and, and teaching. It is a part of us as we grow in Christ. I know that I can, I can remember almost all the people that helped me along this, this journey that I've had these years of, of, of in ministry. And I think upon them with great joy in my heart. And my hope is that when they hear about or, or think about me, that they are joyful that I have continued in the faith. I know when I see you doing what you do here at this church, all of you that have a part and minister to some degree or another, it, I cannot tell you how much I love you. I cannot tell you how much it blesses my heart to watch you. Now let's read what happens in, in, in Paul's life and Silas's life as they go towards their new mission field. The second missionary journey of Paul begins here. Acts chapter 16 and verse 1. He came, Paul came, also to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, Timothy. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. That's important. We're going to come back on that. Verse 4. 
Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So, verse 5, it says, The churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. Verse 6, And they passed through Phygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Passing by Mycenae, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And a certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to Paul, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. If you'll note from verses 6, 7, 8, and 9, Paul was stopped in what was his plan of where he thought he would go to minister the gospel. And in each case, he was not permitted to do what he wanted to do. In neither of those cases do you see Paul fighting against or arguing against the Lord. No, we wait. he waits upon God's call and it finally comes when he goes to Troas. And it wasn't in Troas, but it was there in Troas where he had this vision to go to Macedonia. And there he went. And there he ministered. Now I want to show you in a moment why Silas was perfect for Paul. And John Mark would not have been. Let's pray first, though, please. Father, do open up our eyes, our hearts and our minds, that we might behold wonderful things from your most precious Bible, your law, the words that we read that come from your heart to our hearts, things that are given to us so that we might become men and women who walk more closely with you and understand more about you. And Father, for us to really contemplate that, to understand that this is not just some message that some speaker has contrived or thought through and made up, but Father, these are hopefully your words. I pray that you would take me and move me aside. Allow your words that are written here in this, this particular chapter, allow your words to minister to our hearts. May we, by the grace of God, Father, each and every single one of us, may we see your heart speaking to us as people that we might become conformed into the image of your most precious Son. Lord, thank you for the pleasure, the privilege of knowing you through your Son, Jesus Christ. You have given us that as orders, a decree, if you would, that faith comes through grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, and he alone. Thank you, Father, that you've made that crystal clear. Help those that, that wrestle over the fact that it's very narrow-minded. Help those that wrestle over the fact that it seems that that seems so uh, bigoted. I mean, there must be many ways to God. And yet, Father, you've made it clear there are not. There is but one way. So may we understand that as clearly as we possibly can, Father. And once we understand that, may we then be the people that you've called us to be. Students and teachers waiting upon your will. In Jesus' most precious name we ask, Father. Amen. Okay, I can't wait to get into this. Silas. Silas was custom made for Paul. Three reasons. Three critical reasons. Number one, look back at chapter 15 with me just for a moment at verse 32. 
we find out in verse 32 of chapter 15 that Judas and Silas, Silas the fellow who is now with Paul, also being prophets themselves, encouraged and strengthened the brethren with lengthy messages. That Silas was a prophet, being able to proclaim and teach the Word of God was critical for Paul. Because Paul was going to the churches, to the people that they kind of planted churches in these communities that were dangerous for Paul to go back to, they needed, Paul needed someone who was able to, alongside with him, to teach people the truth of the decrees that have just been passed down. That faith came through grace, grace in Christ, and He alone. Grace is God's unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Nobody deserves it. But by faith, we receive salvation through grace in His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul needed a prophet, a teacher, to go alongside of him to teach these words. Secondly, Silas was a Jew. Any time that Paul went into a community, Paul being Jewish, if there wasn't a church set up there, or even if there were a church there, he would go to the synagogue. When he went to the synagogue, by tradition, they would ask a visiting rabbi, whom Paul was and Silas was, to speak. And then Paul would present the gospel to the Jews in the synagogues. Silas had the same privilege of going into the synagogues just as Paul did. Thirdly, most important, Silas was a Roman citizen. You might ask, why is that important? Paul also was a Roman citizen. You see, Paul knew that when they went into these regions, they were going into the enemy's territory. And they needed to have this citizenship of being Romans. Let me prove it to you. Look at chapter 16. We'll get to it in in a week or two. And look at verse 37. Now, in chapter 16, after we get through what we're studying today, next time we gather together, we're going to see that Paul gets arrested again. And then he gets thrown into prison again. And this is another reason why I think he wanted to protect John Mark. John Mark wasn't ready for it. He had deserted them before. He wasn't ready for this. But Barnabas made John Mark ready for anything. So when they got thrown into prison, they were beaten. A miracle happened to kind of free them. They were going to let Paul go free. In verse 37, Paul says this. Paul said to them, You, they have beaten us in public without a trial. Men who are Romans, that's Silas. Silas and Paul were both Roman citizens. Allowing Silas to have the same protection and the same benefits that Paul had. And so Paul, look how feisty Paul is. They wanted to let him go. They wanted to sweep under the rug what they did to him. And Paul says, you you beat us in public without a trial. We are Romans and then you threw us into prison and now you're sending us away secretly? Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I'm going to make a fuss over this. And we'll learn about what he does. And so what we see, Silas, being a Jew, was able to go to the synagogues with Paul. Silas, being a prophet, was able to teach the Word of God clearly like Paul. And Silas, being a Roman citizen, was privileged to the same protection and the same benefits that Paul had. Now, you'll note when we first started, it seemed like Paul didn't want to disciple John Mark. I say to you, that is not even close to the truth. Paul just didn't have the time to do that with a younger believer. 
But, for whatever reason, he chose Timothy. Look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Amazingly, it says, when he came to Derby and to Lystra, there was a certain disciple who was there. His name was Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. We later learned that Paul, Timothy, was Paul's son in the Lord. Paul gave salvation through Christ to Timothy. Paul adored Timothy. When Timothy started churches that Paul helped them and told Timothy to pastor him, he said to Timothy, Timothy, don't let anyone look down upon your youth. And you teach the whole counsel of the Word of God to the people you've been entrusted to. He loved Timothy. And so we see here that Timothy was, mother was a believer, his father was a Greek, and he, Timothy, was well, verse 2, he, Timothy, was well spoken of by the brethren who were there in Lystrum and Iconium. So Paul wanted this man, Timothy, to go with him. He took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in, were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And so as you can note from verses 1, 2, and 3, even though John, Paul did not take John Mark, he still knew the value of discipling a younger believer in the Lord. In this case, this young man is none other than Timothy. You see, I say to you, each of us here needs to be one or the other, either a Barnabas or a John Mark, either a Paul or a Timothy. But I, as I contemplated that, I think, you know, we're to be both of them at the same time. There are a number of you here who have taught me so much. And you might not even realize what you have taught me. But so many of you here have had an impact in my life. And some of you, by the grace of God, say that I have had the same in your life. And that's the way it ought to be. We ought to pass along the things that we know, and we ought to receive those things that we do from others. None of us are so, quote-unquote, wise in the Lord that we can't still be taught, no matter how old we might be, no matter how much education we might have. We can all be both students and teachers at the same time. Now, if you noted it at all, if you read closely, you'd say to yourself, whoa, there looks like there's a contradiction within the Word of God. Because all of a sudden, Paul is asking Timothy to do what? Get circumcised. Wait a minute. Wait one minute. Didn't we just have a whole lesson on that in the 15th chapter? Did not the apostles already say you didn't have to be circumcised to be saved? What's the issue with Paul all of a sudden having Timothy going to be circumcised? It's like it's a contradiction. And the Bible has places where if you read them and you don't take the whole Word of God in its context, you can take little parts and you can find them and you can say, wow, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. No. What the Bible does is explain itself, teach you. But you have to study the whole counsel of God's Word to understand what the Bible is saying from time to time. And so for a person to say this is a contradictory statement, for, for Paul all of a sudden to have Timothy circumcised, what's going on here? Well, history tells us that when Paul went to Jerusalem, when they had this council, when they made this de decree that, that faith came by the grace of God and by grace only, he had a man along, alongside of him by the name of Titus. 
Titus was a Gentile. And history tells us that they wanted to circumcise Titus and Paul said, no way. No way. He does not need to be circumcised to be saved and to be a part of the family of God. But you don't find that Paul has taken Titus on a missionary journey with him. But all of a sudden, Paul falls in love with this young man named Timothy. He saw something in Timothy. And he says to Timothy, go with me on this journey that I'm going to go on. But I want you to be circumcised first. Now you and I know that he's not asking him to be circumcised because of any merit there's any merit in circumcision. We've already learned that. What he doesn't want is circumcision to become an issue when he's out there in the mission field. And Paul writes of this example in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Please hold your place here and find with me 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And in this is a lesson that every single one of us who are serious about our faith about our walk with Christ ought to contemplate. Now, I want to say this going in. I do not want to put a guilt trip on anyone here in this this building. Not at all. It is not for us to read this so that you become like this unless that's a desire of your heart. And I say to you, don't let anybody push you ahead in your faith more than what you are able to handle at the moment. But on the other hand, I, I say to you, don't drag your heels because you don't think you're worthy or or good enough or smart enough. But if you really want to be a man, a woman of God, if you really want to make an impact and be serious about your faith, this is what Paul says to those of us that desire to do that. Here's why Paul had Timothy circumcised. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Paul says, For though I am free from all men... I have made myself a slave to all so that I may win more. Hopefully, you're seeing what Paul is about to say. He is saying, I am free from all of you. I can do as I wish. But because of you, I have made myself a slave to you. Actually, because of Christ might be a better way of saying that. I've made myself a slave to you. And here he gives examples. Verse 20. To the Jews, he says, I became as a Jew so that I might win Jews. He says in the middle of verse 20, to those who are under the law, I became as under the law, though not myself being under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. Are you seeing? Verse 21. To those who are without the law, I am as without the law though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. Verse 22, he says, to the weak, in other words, those who are not as mature, you know, not uh, moved far, far along in their faith, to the weak, he says, I become as weak, so that I might win the weak. Here's the issue. Verse 22, the middle of it. He says, I have become all things to all men, so that I may, by all means, save some. That's why he had Timothy circumcised. Not that Timothy had to be circumcised to be saved. No, he had Timothy circumcised because they knew he came from a Greek background. 
they knew that Paul knew that they might go into places and come into incidences that needed for Timothy to be a man who was circumcised. Don't know why, but Paul made that distinction. So Paul says in verse 23, I do all things. In other words, I do all that I do for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Paul and those who traveled with Paul did whatever it took to win people to Christ. And that is in an issue, folks. Why John Mark, Paul didn't feel like he was ready to go along with him. John Mark, Paul felt, was not determined enough within his heart to do whatever it took to win people to Christ. And Paul did not want, on this particular journey, to take along someone. And I don't think by any stretch of the imagination did he not love John Mark, but he didn't want to take someone along that he didn't feel like he could trust because he knew they were going into deep, deep waters. And so he took Silas. And when he something in Timothy's life, something about Timothy, Paul saw that he says, I'll take Timothy too. And he built into Timothy's life kind of exactly what I'm saying that we all should do. Be people who build into someone's life or be built by them. But what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23 is this, plain and simple. He's asking the question, are you and I, are we willing to become that person who is, who is willing to do whatever it takes for the sake of the gospel. And the more people that we can produce out of our church, the more people that we can produce in and through our lives that have that attitude, the more people will get saved. The more people will come to Christ. The more people will not have to experience the, the, the horror of hell and be given eternal life. And so I say to you, it's not necessarily an easy road but it is a road wonderfully traveled if you'll go on it. But it is a, a road that you must determine. It, don't say, yeah, I want that, count me in and, and, and not be willing because sometimes it's, it's difficult. There's, I mean, it's a little things. Some 30 years ago, my wife and I and I began ministry. We decided that we would not do certain things around certain people because th- they might not be able to handle it. And so... We tried to become all things to all people so but by the grace of God we might win some to Christ. I'll give you a silly example, but it's, it's, it's pure and it's true. Um, remember back at, 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 on the hill we had the, the, those hoedowns and, and who was it? Uh, the Sanchez's, made, we had a Chili's stuff to cook up and then they had a hoedown and, and square dancing. Yeah, And there were some people in the church that said we shouldn't do it because we shouldn't dance. You did or no? Okay, I didn't think you did. But anyways, it didn't, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's, it's, it's not arguable. It's, it's, it's agree to disagree. But I, know my, I love dancing with my wife, and I would have loved to participate in it. So I go to this thing. I went to it. I was even advised. I was young at the church as a pastor, and I was advised by some of the people that have been in church a long time, don't go, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Some people aren't going to like seeing a pastor at a place where they're dancing. And I said, I'm going. I love chili. <laughs> I'm going to go. They're making chili, but I'm chili cook-off. I'm going. So I go, but I didn't dance. Didn't dance with my wife. But I'll tell you this. 
There's times at home when I'll hear some music, I'll go grab Kay, whatever she might be doing, and we'd just dance around that house. I love dancing with my wife. And there's some places that I won't dance with her. Not because I don't want to dance with her, but because I don't want some people to stumble. I don't want some people to misconstrue and see the pastor dancing of all things. Such a, it's such a small thing, but, but Kay and I decided long ago in our, in our marriage and in our lives there would be certain things that we just couldn't and wouldn't do around certain people because we didn't want to cause them to stumble. It's a great life to live if you're willing to do it. There's no more greater joy than to see people come to Christ. So, that's, that's that. That's why Timothy was circumcised. Nothing to do with salvation. Didn't win him any brownie points. It's just that Paul wanted someone there that regardless of their circumstances, he could pass every test possible. Timothy could. Now, what is their ministry? This is key. Look at verse 4. They were to go on this mission journey while they were passing through the cities, verse 4, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem, back in verse 5, chapter 15, for them, the churches that Paul and Silas and now Timothy are visiting, for them to observe. They had the responsibility, Paul did, and Silas did, they had the responsibility of going back to these churches, back to these people, and saying, now, don't you be misled here. There are going to be maybe someone will come into you and say that you can't be saved unless you do A, B, or C. That's not true. The gospel is pure, they're going to teach them. The gospel is that you come to salvation through grace in Christ and He alone. Look back at chapter 15, verse 11, for just a moment. Did you see it? Did we read it when we were there just a little while ago? It says, We believe, chapter 15, verse 11, We believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they also are. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Grace is something you receive, I receive, we receive, not because we deserve it, but because God is gracious and gives us salvation. Unmerited favor. Favor. He gives us salvation. Not because we're somebody special, but because we've trusted and believed in His Son, He gives us salvation through grace. And it says there in verse 11, we received it the same way they did. Peter taught, look, they, the Gentiles, they become saved just like we did. Now the Jews loved that. Okay, they become saved like we. Yes, because we are the carriers of the very awesomeness of our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Isaac and Jacob. But Peter also says, but we, we receive Christ by grace the same way they did. In other words, we're all in this together. It's a common bond that we all have as we believe similarly to Jesus Christ through grace. And so that was the message that they were to take to the churches, to deliver that decree it only solidifies, folks, what we have been teaching from the second chapter of the book of Acts on. That church is not a place where you haphazardly go to and do whatever it is the notion of this church to do. Church is 
we have been given orders by God through the apostles of the way we are to do church. And that is not to vary. And no one is able to vary from that. From, from pastors who decide to have church and decide not to teach the Word of God because it might offend some visitors that come in and it's kind of a little bit intimidating for them to be in the Bible. And so they take the Bible and they hide it. Not hide it, but they, they, don't, they don't use it. That is an anathema. Is that the right way of saying that word? That is an anathema before God. For, for someone to have church and not open up the Word of God, the very orders that we were given back in the book of Acts in the second chapter, the, the, the apostle said, this is what we're to do when we're to be in, together in church. We're to be continually devoted to the things of God. And we've gone over those myriads of times. We're to be continually devoted to the apostles' teaching, that is the Word of God, to fellowship with one another, to communion and to prayer. Those are the things that we're to be devoted to. That's what the church is to do. And so when Paul went to these churches that he established in these regions, he taught them the decrees that had come down from the elders. Church is not a haphazard thing that we just do, just gather together and try to feel good about one another. Church is a place that we go to that we study the apostles' teachings. We study the very word of God that has been given to us. And when we do that, watch what takes place. Verse 5, which in return, it only proved to strengthen and grow the churches. Look at verse 5. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith, and they were increasing in number daily. Listen, obedience to the Word of God is what, what establishes and grows a true church. Now, there are a lot of churches that are growing, for whatever reason. But don't, don't ever be lost or caught up in the whole notion that just because a church is getting big that they must be doing great things. Uh-uh. No, a, a church needs to be founded upon do they teach the Word of God? Are they teaching the people who attend the Word of God so that you and I can come to church and not just feel good about ourselves but think deep within ourselves are we becoming the people of God that God wants us to become? And so today, you go home with the idea that maybe, just maybe, you want to start this journey that you can be all things to all people so by the grace of God, you might win some of them to Christ. And you'll never be able to be all things to all people until you start understanding what it is you have to be so as that you can represent the Lord through the Word of God to help them come to know the God of this universe. So that's a, that comes through studying the Word of God. And so the churches were being strengthened. Obedience to the Word of God is what grows a true church. And God will use you and me to grow a church, becoming weak, so that others might become strong. Look back at chapter 2, just, just to refresh our memory. It's, it's just what I just told you a moment or two ago. But look at chapter 2 of Acts. When the church began, when Peter preached on the, the day of Pentecost, and some 3,000 souls came to know the Lord, in chapter 2, verse 41, it said, Those who had received his, Peter's word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And here's what I said just a moment ago, verse 42. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. 
And therefore, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together. They had all things in common. In other words, there was this strengthening of one another. They were they were all encouraging one another. They were growing with one another. They had things in common with one another. And if anyone had need, they took care of them. And then it says in verse 47, they were praising God. They were having favor with all the people. And we said that back in when we studied chapter 2. All the people didn't mean all the believers. All the people meant the whole community saw something special about this church, these group of people. And because of that, the last half of verse 47 says, The Lord God Himself was adding to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. And if you think back at what just took place when... when uh, when, when Paul strengthened the churches back in chapter 16 and verse 5, it says they were being strengthened in the faith and they were increasing in number daily. That's what God does when we are obedient to His Word, when we believe His Word for what it is. Now, next five minutes, I want us to note how Paul handled his circumstances from verses 6 to 10. Like most of us, It is my deep conviction, and I don't know this for a fact, but I believe Paul was a very disciplined man. Just just by the way he says, remember I box and, and I run in such a way. I mean, he was a disciplined person. And I don't believe by any stretch of the imagination that he didn't have a game plan when he started on this missionary journey of where he was going to do and what he was going to try and do in each place he went to. But all of a sudden, he starts on this journey... And step by step, he gets stopped dead in his tracks. Look at verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. It says, They passed through the Phygian and Galatian regions, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. I thought to myself, wait a minute. Doesn't God want everybody to know the Lord? Why would he forbid them to speak? Well, God had a plan for Paul. God had a specific plan for Paul and Silas. And so he forbade them to speak in in, in these communities. And so Paul says, okay. Verse 7, Then when they had come to Mycenae, they were trying to go to Bithynia, and the Spirit of the Lord did not permit them. They didn't permit them to go there. And so instead of Paul saying, wait a minute, wait one minute, I've got a plan here. Let me finish my plan here in this community, and then I'll go wherever it is you want me to go. Paul does not stop there. He goes on. He says to himself, okay. So it says in verse 7, when he come to Mycenae, they were trying... Well, I already read that. Jesus didn't permit them to speak. And then verse 8, passing through Mycenae, they came down to Troas. And then in Troas, the Lord still didn't allow Paul to do anything. But in a vision, in Troas, a vision appeared to Paul, a certain man from Macedonia standing and appealing to him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. When Paul saw that, when he had seen the vision, it says in verse 10, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, concluding, note, concluding that God called him to preach the gospel there. Unlike so many of us, Paul does not question God's call upon his life. 
but only takes the disappointments. And I, I believe with all my heart, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 were a great disappointment for Paul. Because I, 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 to travel in those days was not an easy thing. And so for them to go to this place and not be permitted to present the gospel and then pack up and go to this other place and not be permitted there and to pack up and go to another place and, and there to get a vision so that he can go to another place had to frustrate Paul to the nth degree if he was walking in his own spirit. But most of the problems that you and I have, that we have today, is that we think our plan is God's plan. And so we have this plan that we have for our lives, and we say to God, come along, God, and bless me in this plan that I am doing. And when He stops us, we maybe become angry or impatient when He doesn't answer our call the way we see it should happen. If you'll learn anything about this message at all, it is this, Christian. This life is not all about you and me. This life that you and I lead is all about God. And He will lead us as He sees fit. There's a couple of verses I've asked people to memorize. It's in 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. It says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. You see, God has His hand all over you. There is not a person on this earth that God doesn't have His hands all over him. Let me give you an example that you'll be able to relate to. Do you remember when Paul, before Paul was Paul, when he was Saul? Remember when he was on the road to Damascus? And remember he got blinded and got knocked off of his donkey? And then the Lord said, you go into the Damascus and you go in the city called Straight and you wait, I'll give you some instructions. Remember? And you remember what the Lord did? He went to this certain disciple by the name of Ananias. And he said to Ananias, go to this guy called Saul. I've got something I want you to tell him. And Ananias says, wait a second. Wait, we've been talking about this guy. He has been killing Christians throwing Christians into prison left and right. And he has come here to do the same thing with those of us in Damascus. And the Lord looked at Ananias and said, Ananias, you go and do what I told you to do because this Paul is a chosen instrument of mine. And he wasn't a chosen instrument of his when he got knocked off that donkey. He was a chosen instrument of his from his birth. Some of the things, Brad, that you've been through have prepared you for such a moment as this of what you're doing right now in your ministry. And those things that you've done, more than likely you wished you hadn't done them. But God prepared you. And all of us, if we see the hand of God upon our lives, we'll see that we are chosen instruments of His. But to fight against His will is the worst thing that you can do. Who among us here, I, I venture a guess with all of my heart, that there is no one of you here who is a Christian that you would want to move your life without God's guidance upon it. But there are some that want God's plan to be, no, want their plan to be God's plan. For God to bless them in the midst of what 
they think they ought to do. Here at this church, we've had plans, but everything we have is written in pencil. We wait until we see the hand of God upon it and try to move there. Each of us today have a great opportunity to be taught by someone and to teach others. Each of us have a wonderful call upon our lives if, if you're ready for it. And that is to, to diminish your life so that you can be something special with the people you come in contact with. So that you can become like them in a sense so as to win them to Christ. Each of us, maybe, are waiting upon God and wondering why He's not answering what we want. And I am here to say to you, perhaps, what you want is not what God wants for you. And that's why He's not answering it yet. Humble yourself under His mighty hand. He'll exalt you at the proper time. In the meantime, cast all your cares upon Him. Because he truly does love and care for you. He truly does. Let's close. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of studying your word. And how, Father, you unfold it word by word, line upon line, and how all of a sudden things seem to tie together, make sense. Father, would you please bless everybody here? Thank you for each person. Um, Hope they'll come back next week with maybe a friend or someone that normally wouldn't might become to church or whatever and, and, and hear from Hank. More importantly, hear from the Lord. Now, Father, bless us as we go, wherever you may take us. May we be, Father, uh, chosen instruments of yours, used by you for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much.